Double Door Studios at Manassas National Battlefield Park. I'm Nikki Bland. And I'm Franny Robin. This is A Different Truth. A Different Truth can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like and follow us on those platforms. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and a review. That helps us get more views and show up in more searches. You can also check us out at our website, adifferenttruthpodcast.com. We will share resources and information on our website and social media platforms, where you can also send questions, comments, and ideas for future podcasts. We really want this to be an interactive engagement with our listeners, so please let us hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining us on A Different Truth. Our last three episodes with friend and history teacher Chris Noe just scratched the surface of some of the history many people don't know. The intent was to pique people's interest and provide inspiration for you, our listeners, to go do some research on your own. With that, we're going to review just a few of the many resources across all types of media and print to get you started on that journey. Friends and listeners, welcome to another episode of A Different Truth Podcast with me, Frances Robin, and my partner and co-host, Nikki Bland. Hello. We are so super excited to be here with you because guess what? We have all this um, information for you on the resources that we've been referencing in our previous in our previous podcast episodes, and we are super excited to share them with you and to encourage you to join us as we learn together. So with that said, Nikki, are you ready to go? I am. This is going to be one of those episodes where you're going to want to have a pen and paper handy. So yes. as as Franny mentioned, we've talked about a lot of these um, in our previous episodes. We're going to talk about different organizations mm-hmm. that we either are a part of or follow and participate with. We've got internet information, articles, documents for you, movies, documentaries, uh, you name it. TED Talks yeah. and YouTubes, um, podcasts, other some of our favorites, some of whom we've already connected with in terms of sharing information and um, just sharing the message. The more the merrier that are out there um, explaining what we all need to do collectively to improve society in this area. And then we've got a whole list of books which um, really just scratch the surface, but a lot of these have impacted us or... They're on the shelf, ready to be read, based on recommendations from some of the people that we um, admire and respect who also share information and educate others on this topic. So with that, I think we're going to start with organizations. Yes. And just to let you know, as we go along, we'll be referencing these organizations and all these other um, titles and subjects that Nikki just mentioned. But we will share the links with you so you could literally click on them at the end of the episode that as it, after it's been posted. So not only are you able to write some down, especially as we talk about them, you could jot them down, but you could also refer, use that information to reference the links below so that you could have access to the documents. Uh, and with that said, oh, we are so impressed with the work that's being done in the uh, racial reconciliation world. And uh, we'll start, like Nikki said, with the organizations. One of our first 
is the Be the Bridge organization that was started by Latasha Morrison, oh, our best friend. She knows that we're best friends. Um, Latasha Morrison and um, Nikki's going to give you a little bit of information about their Facebook Facebook group. So um, interesting little history. Um, and if you haven't, we'll also mention this in the book section. But Latasha just published a book uh, last year called Be the Bridge, and it's a bit of her story. Um, the Facebook group that's out there now has over 26,000 mm-hmm. members. Latasha actually started that group um, really just for herself and those closest to her discuss some of to discuss some of the really troubling things that were happening in the news and just looking for um, an avenue to lament, to share, to grieve together, to talk about what could be done. And that group has grown, as I said, to over 26,000 people now. The concept of that group um, when you join is to educate yourself. So as a new member, you're required to, first of all, explain why you want to be in the group. Um, but then also there's a whole list of units that need to be completed and a 90-day period of silence, if you will, where you really have to um, engage, complete the units. You can read, you can like, but you can't comment or post yourself for 90 days. And the idea is to make sure that folks are sort of looking at these issues and what's being shared from the same perspective. Um, And then further, they really encourage folks to become part of Be The Bridge small groups where you can get together in person with like-minded members and discuss topics. They have a whole curriculum. It's really, really quite organized. And, you know, we've talked about not reinventing the wheel, and this is definitely a fantastic resource to start with. Um, They also have a litany of other resources on their website as well. Mm-hmm. Franny and I actually facil- co-facilitate two different uh, Be The Bridge small groups and really enjoy just being able to talk real world experience um, in the context of the structure that's given to have those discussions. So can't say enough good things about that. Go look them up, see what they're doing, join a small group, mm-hmm. um, engage in the conversation. It's really great. And like Nikki was saying in regards to the small groups, they've done such an amazing job um, breaking up the small group by state. So um, one of the ways that you can do that is go into the Be The Bridge uh, Facebook group, find your state, and then find the area within your state that might be closest to you to join a group. So they've done all the hard work for you and you just, you, you know... You're going to have to also, especially if you're new to the sphere of the work of racial racial reconciliation, um, some of the things will be very hard as you come up to speed and process in terms of processing the the information that you're reading. But that's the benefit of that 90-day period. You're able to sit in the new information that you have, but not just feel it isolated because of the group, the way it's structured. You could go in and read what people in the group are sharing, what they're experiencing, to help you get a broader world world view of the experiences that people are having that may be similar to yours or very different from the ones that you've had throughout your lifetime. And so, like Nikki said, we are 
we highly recommend the work of Latasha Morrison through her Be The Bridge organization. And also for additional information, if you want to lead a group, that opportunity is there as well. You could jump on their website and just get additional information. But um, there, uh, uh, there's enough resource there for you to become familiar with the work of Latasha Morrison and the Be The Bridge initiative. Yeah, we really could have an entire episode just on Be The Bridge. It's so fantastic. Um, And it really was one of the things that sort of helped escalate Mm -hmm. our um, engagement in this area. So so with that, though, we've got a whole couple of pages of things to share. So Mm -hmm. the next organization we wanted to mention was the Equal Justice Initiative, Mm EJI.org. They're based out of Montgomery, Alabama. This is the nonprofit started by Brian Stevenson, the author and subject of the film Just Mercy. And he really has dedicated his life from the beginning of his legal career when he started as a an intern, I believe, from mm-hmm. Harvard, um, to fight for those on death row um, and to really to exonerate those who are unjustly there, but also to fight against um, just the harsh, extreme punitive nature of some of the sentences, um, you know, children being subject to life sentences, um, life sentences for um, minor crimes, um, nonviolent crimes, things like that. And he's really, um, you've probably heard of him because of the movie, yeah. um, possibly the book. If you've seen the movie and haven't read the book, you need to read the book too. Absolutely. Um, that's also on our book list. <laughs> but his organization is just very amazing. And obviously they've got their hands full, some of the information that you know, they share uh, 10% of those on death row, statistically speaking, are innocent. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that margin of error, it's it's pretty horrifying. Um, and he's been really successful in getting not only individual cases overturned, but some legislation revised so that it's, uh, it is more equal. Yeah, and part of that um, revision of legislation uh, also pertains to, like Nikki shared earlier, um, uh, minors that are tried as adults and then they're incarcerated with adults and the brutality that they experience, you know, um, at the hands of the adults that they're incarcerated with. And so he's committed his life's work to ensuring that even if, you know, you're suffering or you're receiving the consequence for a crime that you've rightfully committed, that you still, your humanity and dignity still needs to be advocated for. And so he's doing a great job at Overall, but in his desire to protect children once they've been um, sentenced, uh, uh, he's just just committed to the work of uh, advocating for the poor and those without a voice and those who are continually abused even after they've been sentenced. The other thing is he's also the founder of the Legacy Museum and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. And he has just also immersed himself into um, the work of racial reconciliation And in so doing, he has um, founded a museum that's just dedicated to the history of uh, race and slavery uh, slavery in the United States, but not just slavery, the brutality of it. 
and the terror of lynching. And so a part of the museum is dedicated to lynching, which some refer to as the only lynching museum that's uh, in, in, in the United States. And part of what um, he's done is he's collected soil from sites where lynchings have occurred and um, throughout Alabama and uh, Mississippi and other states. And they are on display and labeled. And not only are they labeled, but the individuals who were lynched now have a name uh, through extensive research that they've done. And they, it's all on their website, EGI.org. Uh, those individuals now have a name. There's closure. He does also um, these field trips where he actually allows you to become immersed in the uh, the um exploration of the historical sites where some of these lynchings occurred as well, where you as a participant could collect um, soil from the site. So um, we, we can't, like Nikki said, say enough about uh, Brian Stevenson, the work that he's done and the work that he's continuing to do in bringing awareness to um, racial reconciliation, mass incarceration, and what's so neat, he captures like history in like a three or five minute video uh, just to help you. Because a lot of people, you know, us don't have a lot of time to commit to reading a book cover to cover. And he does just a fantastic job on their website in his resource tab where you could view some of the videos that he's created just to give you a quick history of um, slavery in the United States in about five minutes. So I can't recommend the work of Brian Stevenson enough. Yeah, we'll come back to him a little bit more um, when we talk about some of the other films and documentaries and books. Mm -hmm. um, so another organization is um, that I'm just becoming familiar with. Um, Freddie's actually dug into their work a little bit more than I have, but it's called Coming to the Table. Mm -hmm. And they are really focused on, you know, helping folks heal from the racial wounds of the past um, and from slavery and how you know, the, the racism that continued and does continue today post-slavery, um, you know, how we can deal with that, how we can literally come together and face our truth and heal. Yeah. And one of the things that I absolutely love about coming to the table, it's the way it's presented. They've done just a fantastic job presenting the information about who they are, the work that they do, and they invite you to not just be a participant who engages only by reading and then just consuming the invitation uh, information, but they invite you to become an active participant where you could lead groups of your own in your own area, in your communities, and you don't have to design the, the packages. You could actually sign up, download the package inform, uh, of information, and then use it as a PowerPoint or talking point to the group that you would like to start or if you're interested in just hold it, hosting these information groups or sessions throughout your community. And I just love how they do that. The other thing that they've done really, really well um, is how they've uh, set up their resource tab. So you could actually either choose to watch a movie, um, a video, or you could look through their list of books. And they've just done an incredible job presenting the information. And we re reference their um, information a lot. Uh, it's they they they're 
They, they're um, hosted or sponsored out of Eastern Mennonite University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And a lot of the work that's being done there is just being packaged very well to individuals who are interested in becoming an advocate and becoming a voice and just coming to the table. Um, I just love their name because you could have these sessions around the table where people meet and just have safe and healthy discussions around reconciling the history of racism and racial uh, and slavery that existed in the United States. So we recommend coming to the table as a tool. So that's coming to the table.org. Take a listen. Um, I, I enjoyed the videos. They actually did a video of young men out in Harrisonburg who are incarcerated and they're, they're young men. They are uh, several of them are 18 and under 18 actually, and a little over 18 years old. And uh, they're interviewing them and they're asking them to speak to their younger selves or their selves that before they were incarcerated. And it's just stories of heartbreak. A lot of them, they've never had a male role model. Others, they've had fathers who guided them, but they were, they succumbed to the pressures of their peers to want to look and act a certain way. And as a result, um, they share how usually they listen to the songs or um, videos that are put out there and how the life of crime is glorified. And yet now that they've experienced it firsthand, these men are just weeping and sharing the sorrow of the experience that they're now living behind bars. And they're just speaking to their younger selves and coming to the table. They've just, just done a fantastic job giving a face and a voice to those young men. So again, coming to the table.org, we highly recommend them as a resource to explore in the work of racial reconciliation. And they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, we also want to explore Sojourners. Uh, they are based out of Washington, D.C., and they're about 50 years old, but they've gone through reiterations of their mission. But they really are f initially focused on working together with Christian groups to give voice to marginalized populations. And they pr they pr they're pri primarily known for the ma uh, magazine that they're publishing that come out where they actually feature a lot of guest authors, but they're really touching on topics uh, just to focus on bringing attention to groups, again, um, without a voice and who are uh, seeking to recover from uh, deprived opportunities and wanting to find a place in humanity where they fit and they fit with equality and with the justice system working equally on their behalf. And so hence the name Sojourn. They will sojourn with you throughout the travails of the challenges that you're experiencing. So it's sojo.net, S-O-J-O.net. That's their website and you could visit them. They also have, um, uh, like I said, their magazine, but you could check out their blog. They put out some wonderful posts that are, that's very relevant to today. And one of the things that they also have, they have an internship program. If you have students who are interested in starting to see if they want to get into the area of racial reconciliation, they have internship programs uh, that they will mentor your student for about a year just to get them networked and trained to become a voice in the marketplace for equality and justice. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so many good organizations and uh, we've obviously um, started working with and engaging with a few and I'm, I'm sure there are many, many more out there. We would love to hear other organizations that you all are aware of and engaged with. Um, feel free to, you know, share those on our Facebook page. Um, you know, we'd love to 
learn more along with you. So with that, um, we've got the next set of resources we wanted to share with you are really just a list of um, some different websites, uh, specific articles. Um, we found a few that are have several resources um, within their own web pages. So um, history.com, Britannica.com, um, New York Times with their 1619 project and other. Um, they post a lot on race and social issues. Um, so those in general um, are very excellent resources that have multiple articles and documents to review, but we wanted to point out a few specific ones. Um, we also started with the uh, episode two, where we went through the historical timeline. And before we get into some of these specifics, uh, we did post several resources there as well that go through the timeline from 1492 to the pretty much the present with some of the key episodes in history, not all of which we are always taught. So go back, look at some of the comments for episode two, look on our Facebook page, um, we shared several links there. We're getting our website up and running, um, and a lot of these will be posted there as well. We'll have a resources section and kind of have it organized by the type of resource, but several timeline links have been shared already. So with that, um, there's a few here from history.com, five things you may not know about Abraham Lincoln, slavery and emancipation. Um, and there are some you know, unique aspects to Lincoln. And we've talked about this before in general with our sort of heroes of history, how we oftentimes want them to be, you know, really um, two-dimensional and how, like most of us, they're complex people. They've got, you know, different aspects to them. They grow, they evolve over time, their views change. Um, and Lincoln is a fascinating one when you think about um, what he did, what he's most known for, um, which is emancipating the slaves um, and leading the nation through the Civil War to keep us together as one nation. So um, I think a lot of the aspects of his character and his beliefs aren't necessarily shared because they don't fit with this very two-dimensional sort of linear story that we want uh, to believe about our history. We want it to be this, um, you know, sort of straight line of continual betterment and progress and forward motion. And a lot of times there's ups and downs and um, complicated aspects to it. So this article in particular talks about, you know, some of those, just five of those um, facts about Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, he's described as a man who was firm. He believed slavery was morally wrong, but he's also described as having a very complex or complicated uh, view on racial equality. And so this article does a really good job highlighting some of those areas. And so we highly recommend it that this one is also on history.com. So when you get a chance, uh, you, you know, 
you could look up uh, history.com, five things you may not know about Abraham Lincoln, slavery and emancipation. And my son and I, we had a conversation about this. And I said, you know, um, we were having a discussion on Lincoln and he kind of rolled his eyes and a little bit. He's like, you know, mommy Lincoln, you know. No, and he just, he couldn't find the words, and so I guess those the words that he probably that he was trying to find were like the duality that sometimes can exist in terms of how he approached or how he tried to navigate through. But like Nikki was saying, it's not you know very linear. It's not very clean cut. There's some areas, and we don't know what it's like to lead a country. I mean, in our current day and age, we actually have opinions about what that would look like. But what we do know is that every president that went in there with dark hair or black hair come out with all gray hair. So we know it's not an easy job. And that's just an easy way for me to share that, that it's not an easy job. And so, um, we, you know, no exceptions made for Abraham Lincoln either. But go ahead and read and look up the article on history.com, five things you may not know about Abraham Lincoln and form your own opinion as you learn more about um, the complexities of him navigating through the waters of racial um, slave freedom for slaves and racial reconciliation. So these, the next article we want to talk about is also from history.com and it discusses five myths about slavery. And we talked a little bit about this with our third, in our third episode with Chris Noe debunking some of the myths about slavery and its place in American history or which you really can't escape from. Um, and this one really highlights some key things that most people fall back to when discussing slavery if they're not, if they're just sort of believing everything they've always been told. Um, and, you know, I've actually listened to several other resources, um, especially several podcasters who have talked about some of these things, um, just a couple of them. Um, that there were Irish slaves in the American colonies, that the South didn't secede from the Union over slavery, but states' rights, that, you know, not, um, that there were black soldiers that fought uh, for the Confederacy, both slave and free. And uh, it's just really interesting to not only learn that some of these things are untrue, but understand where they came from and how much of our history was really rewritten after um, the Civil War and especially um, after Reconstruction or really during Reconstruction that sort of brought about the the demise of that actually positive period in our history. And it gets tied in with that whole lost cause. So so this is just a quick snapshot into probably the five biggest, myth, biggest myths about mm-hmm. slavery um, and the history of the Civil War that I really encourage you to take a look at. And if that doesn't cause you to go dig a little deeper, I'm not sure what will, because it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, So, yeah, history.com in general has some really great resources, and that's those are just two of them. And and the other thing, you know, like Nikki said, that's fascinating about the history, you will, I, I guarantee it, you will ask yourself, well, why wasn't I taught this in school? And I truly, truly, truly believe if the truth about history is taught to our students, or if we were taught, we would have a greater passion to be, you know, to be to, to be advocates for each other. I do believe in, in our current in our life, we are made to advocate for each other. We are made to be in relationships with each other. Well, if history that you're being taught perpetuate myths that kind of solidify your worldview in, uh, you know, uh, inequality and or 
teaches that, you know, slaves were happy. They had a good relationship with their owners, yet they were running away to freedom and they were, you know, risking their life and their families to escape. You, you don't seek to escape when you're happy. Um, they were in bondage. They were held against their wills. Their, their families were torn apart. Um, they were whipped. They're just on and on. And just the, the foundational history uh, if we were taught that, we would have just a better grasp as to how we treat each other, how we should treat each other, and then what our goals for the future in all in our everyday life would be because we would have a better understanding, a truthful understanding of, of the history that we embrace and of the America that we live in. And when I say that, I'm not saying that to, to not own that this is a country of great liberties and freedoms, but just the fact that everything that... Um, can be challenged and just to have a better understanding of it and then and then gain a, a much greater appreciation for the life that we enjoy here. So just because we're talking about it doesn't mean we're denouncing it. There are things that we have to denounce also, but we're not de- ripping the country apart. It is a great country. It's a great land to live and with great opportunities, but at the same time to better understand each other, we just have to learn the truth. One of the things, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. One of the things you'll hear Brian Stevenson say a lot and many others is you can't, I I mean, this is going to be me paraphrasing it, but we can't address our present if we don't really know and understand our history, our past. Mm -hmm. And it's in that light that we really are dedicated to sharing this information and making sure people understand what the truth is is about our history and getting to the bottom of some of these um these myths and these misconceptions is really as franny said very key to how we're going to be able to come together in today's society Mm -hmm. so yeah and don't be so quick as you you know don't equate the knowledge with guilt we if you're going to feel guilty then we all have a sense of guilt that we should all carry it's knowledge and with knowledge comes a need to react or respond and our freedoms to act in a manner that uh, creates equality for each other and to now know what to look for and when we see it how to address it and how to call out call it out or how to now become an advocate by whether you have to make a phone call, write a letter, or speak up for someone. The information that we're putting out and the information that you're now going to become aware of is just going to position you to to respond from a more educated and more, a more impassioned position. And, and I also wanted to say that to also say, be careful of the things that want to gloss over the actual truth of the history. You know, you don't want to jump from bondage to to the experiences to peace and pursuit of happiness. Let's just sit in it for a little bit and just pay attention to what happened. And then we could work towards what equality would look like. One of the other topics that we talked about in our previous episode, and we referenced the Britannica uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and it was just about uh, identities of uh, African-Americans in the country and uh, the uh, 
we get the question all the time, you know, like, well, how are black people preferred to be referred to as? And we just through our research, we found that over time it has evolved. It has changed. Um, and ownership of identity is what a lot of, you know, people in the African-American community want to have. They want to have the ability to take control over how they are identified. So for, you know, there's a generation where they were referred to as colored and colored is the the title or the identity that they went with. And in the 1980s, 1989, I believe, Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson came out with African-American. And, uh, you know, in the research that we, we dug into, the generation of people who were referred to as colored struggle with the new label for how they would be now be able to refer to themselves as African-American, and they resisted that. So even now, we're actually moving into a movement where people want to be referred to as black and just go back to owning their identity and taking ownership of who they are culturally tap into um, traditions of the, the ancestors and tra- tapping into the, uh, um, the cultural identity that now it's theirs to own. And so one of the resources that we use, uh, the, uh, Britannica.com, uh, and the topic is African-American. So you could o- research that and just look at the history and the evolution of how Afri- uh, African-Americans were once one stripped of the identity and took on the identities of their owners and to, that could be multiple owners if a slave were if a slave was sold multiple times he took on the identity of that owner and that's his name and every time he took on that identity or she took on that that uh, took on that identity he lost she lost more and more of herself himself and so struggling with um taking ownership of individuality to culture, traditions, legacies. That's part of the um, the topic that we were covering when we referenced Encyclopedia Britannica. So African-American is the subject that you'll be using in the search bar. And just get a little bit of information of the importance of retaining and maintaining your own identity and to not challenge people who, how they want to be referred to because that was something that was stripped from them. And so now African-Americans are not positioning themselves or have begun to position themselves to take ownership of their legacies, their names, and their identity to go back. And there was a time, actually, there was a movement where African-Americans took on African-sounding names, uh, more traditional African-sounding names based on tribe, based on the research um, that they've done. And even now, there are several celebrities who are now taking on ownership and identity of the tribes or the country that they of they believe to be their country of origin. And so they're now getting passport issued to them. So now, you know, so take a, a reading uh, into the article and just to see the legacy and the history of people wanting to regain their sense of them, their sense of self, their sense of identity, sense of awareness, and to take ownership of the names that they've been used, they've been called over a period of time, and to now really walk into the fullness of who they want to be known and identified as. So that's what that article is all about. Um, and also the the New York Times article is also a reference to that where, um, again, the resistance that was being experienced as they move forward using the, the term African-American to identify themselves. And also, you know, as we're talking about African-American identity, the awareness that comes with that, too, because we have to also remember Africans have their own cultural identity coming from the country of Africa, um, the continent of Africa.
America with each of each individual um, or individuals coming from their own country of origin. So just be mindful when we refer to Africa, Africans, African-Americans, they're of they're they're meaning two different things. Okay, next area, documentaries and movies. So, I mean, there is no way we could possibly list, you know, the number, every single movie that's so amazing in this area. I mean, just documentaries alone, we've got a couple of them, some of the more recent ones. Um, Those will just start as, you know, you'll hear more about. Brian Stevenson. Yes. So besides Just Mercy, which was released uh, at the end of last year, mm-hmm. um, starring, let's see, Jamie Foxx, um, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan as yeah. Brian Stevenson, um, really tells the story of one of his clients primarily and um, shows how he became involved. Uh, he, Brian Stevenson, became involved in this work. Fantastic movie. I'm sure you've heard of it. If you haven't, you might have been living under a rock. But go see it. Um, It may be out on iTunes soon since it came out several months ago. There's also an HBO documentary about Bryan Stevenson and his work called True Justice, which really goes into much more of of him personally, his work, the work of EJI. Um, and what some of his, you know, experiences have been in dealing with those who are unjustly incarcerated mm-hmm. or harshly, you know, too harshly punished for the crimes they've committed. Um, so those kind of go hand in hand. Um, I would recommend both of those highly. There's another uh, documentary, 13th, that goes into the 13th Amendment and the evolution of that over time with the ending of slavery and how that loophole of um, slavery being abolished except as punishment for a crime Mm -hmm. and tracing the history of our criminal justice system, especially over the last hundred years and just looking at how we've become the leading nation in the world for incarcerated people, Um, the disparities in the different races um, compared to the overall population, how many more African-Americans are incarcerated than whites. Um, And it's just one of those movies that, or documentaries that really steps through the facts, the data, and uh, it's really hard to ignore. And, you know, I, I used to work for a guy that said data doesn't lie. And it's, I just don't know how anybody could look at that and not see that there are at least some issues with the way our laws are constructed and how laws were actually put in place in the last several decades that exponentially increased the number of incarcerated people um, based on race, Uh, the war on crime, um, the war on drugs, all of those things and how they targeted um, really African-American communities the most. Um, it's just a really good documentary. I think my, you know, my kids were asking me the other day, um, some questions about who I want to, um, be, you know, to win in the upcoming election. And, um, this, the topic of the 13th, um, documentary came up, uh, several former presidents are featured and, 
uh, what they thought was best at the time. So I encourage you just to, I don't want to ruin it for you because I you know, have my opinions about it, but take a look. And then like Nikki said, if you haven't seen Just Mercy or, or if you haven't read the book, the data is just heartbreaking because it reflects data from now, you know, the past and how it continues to affect our present. So take a take a listen, take a read. Yeah, the, the other one on our list that falls sort of into that category is When They See Us, yeah. um, which is a Netflix series um, about the Central Park Five. The Central Park Five were the five boys in New York City who were accused of killing, raping and killing the Central Park jogger um, and really tells their story in a very personal way and reveals what happened with that case and some of the um, injustices and, and not just looking at how the legal system failed them, but looking at, as Franny alluded to earlier, the damage they suffered um, by being put through that whole process um, unfairly, unjustly. And, you know, there's there's a lot... That's, that's a case that still gets talked about, not only because of the release of this series, um, but because of some of the current politicians who made their voices heard during that case um yeah. condemning them even before they were even tried right so um uh, i've just had conversations with individuals who have attempted to look and view it there are parts that are hard to watch Very and um but you you have to be able to try to push through it because these young men endured that level of brutality, if you have to cry through it, cry through it. Um, and then if you have young brown boys in your home, have a conversation with them. If you have a neighbor with young brown boys in their home, find a way to become a bridge to that uh, family. There are conversations that young brown boys have to have at an early age, even though, you know, you live in an, an area or community that is viewed to be safe, just the knowledge of their brownness often makes them a target. So um, just try to be, if, if, if there's anything that I would encourage you to do after you've had an opportunity to watch when they see us, is to make yourself available to become a bridge builder to have conversations with your neighbor and it may not necessarily start out because of the the um the series but just to make yourself available to be present Pre you know present being present matters so when they see us it's a very very um hard series to watch because you know of the young people and the brutality that they've endured but take a look at it it's on netflix more, uh, probably one of the most recent ones on our list, Harriet. Uh, what an excellent telling of her story. And man, yeah. she's just a hero in every sense of the word. Um, I loved the way they portrayed her and didn't shy away from, yeah. you know, some of her character. Um, and, you know, her her head trauma mm -hmm. that led to her spells where she 
you know, felt God used those to speak to her and to guide her and really make her so successful in her uh, work even before she became an official member of the Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just how much she did beyond that, um, you know, working with the Union Army and, you know, being a spy and all of this. I mean, she just, there's so much to her. And, you know, that she for you know all things considered lived a long amazing life impacting so many people and it's just so powerful um to see what she not only lived through but what she helped others through and how uh, what an amazing legacy she left not just for her family but for our country and really showing what um you know what is possible Yeah, take a look at the movie. After I saw that movie, I was so inspired by Harriet beyond, you know, the Harriet Tubman being one of the more popular figures that are that is celebrated during Black History Month. You know, you have there's some go to figures that get more um, that get more uh, airtime than others. But just the she was just a phenomenally amazing woman. Uh, I just did additional research just to get some more information. And this lady, after she retired or, you know, move upstate New York. And like Nikki said, you know, she suffered, sustained that head injury. Uh, She had to have brain surgery. And this is not captured in the movie. This is an additional research that I've done. And she did not take or she wasn't given any anesthesia. And she bit down on a piece of lumber and she survived the surgery and lived after that. What I just, the strength of this woman is unbelievable. Um, and her, I'm sorry, I need to pick my job. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, and she wow. opened a home, a home for seniors um, in upstate New York, where she eventually, uh, you know, uh, was admitted to. It was, she's just a magnificent woman, and I'm truly inspired by her. But like Nikki, you know, said, take an hour and a half, maybe two two hours max, and watch it. It's actually on on demand. Yes, I saw. Yeah. Okay, so there's a there's several more on that list, but we are going to move on to. TED Talks on YouTubes. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to mention a few of these. We've got probably seven or eight on our list. Um, I'm going to talk about three that were really very impactful for mm-hmm. me. Um, one of them is called uh, is by is a TED Talk by Melody Hobson, um, and hers she speaks about being color brave, not color blind. And you know, color blindness is a whole concept and a, and a topic in this work that um, there are different differing opinions about um, certainly no single race is a monolith and speaks for all so there's there's varying opinions across all categories of people but um, her discussion about being color brave and and being brave enough to see color um, and and own that is just one I made my girls listen to. I just thought it was excellent and a really good, different way to think about that um, and sort of counters the narrative of which I believe most people think is, you know, a good perspective, and I believe they're well-intentioned, but to say, you know, I am of the belief that to say, I'm colorblind 
and I don't see color means I don't see you. And so I just loved this, this aspect of that. Um, and again, it's a, it's a short, as you know, Ted talks are not long. So, you know, it might be 10, 15 minutes max. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Another Ted talk that I thought was really powerful is called we, the people, and that is by Mark Charles. And in that he talks about the origins of the U S constitution and how, we the people never meant all the people. Um, it that's a tough one to listen to as a history major, and you know, I spent most of my life really dedicated to the common understanding of American history. Some of these things they're hard just in and of themselves because they really challenge the things we thought we knew and. It's an interesting perspective. He's not rewriting the Constitution, but he sees it very differently. Um, he is a Native American. Um, he speaks. He's written a book called um, Unset Unsettling Truths that is on my shelf and in a big stack of books I'm going to get to someday. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting take on the Constitution and how the framers put that together and what it would have meant at the time. So I encourage you to listen to that one as well. Um, and lastly, there's a series, a PBS series you can watch on YouTube um, by Dr. Henry Gates called Many Rivers to Cross, and it's multiple parts, and it, and it just it goes through um, African-American history, which, as we know, is American history, but um, it's, it's excellent and it's got several different aspects to it. And that one's, it, you know, probably not one you'll watch in one sitting cause there are several episodes, but what I think is interesting about the access to information that we have today is when you go on a site like YouTube, um, once you start looking and pulling up some of these resources, all kinds of other things pop up that fall into the same category. So you know, be discerning, like understand the resources, um, and where they're coming from and the perspectives of, of those who are putting this information out there. I do think it's important to know, you know, something about the authors you're reading or the speakers you're listening to, uh, where do they come from? What are their belief systems? That sort of thing. Um, but it really, you can spend all day and just go down all kinds of rabbit trails and come, come away with so much more information. And usually that's what happens with me. And I end up saving a million links and, you know, hoping to get back to them someday. Um, but there's more information out there than, than you could possibly ever consume. So, you know, just start somewhere and see where it takes you. So with that, you want to talk about some of our favorite podcasts because we have a yes. lot of them. <laughs> we um, we are now going to share some of our podcasts with you. Um, some of the top ones, I'm just going to run through them really quickly. Speaking of racism, it's uh, hosted by Jennifer Kinney. You could follow her on Facebook, but her podcast by name is Speaking of Racism, and you could uh, download it. We listen to it from iTunes. Uh, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Another is Token Confessions by Cedric Lundy. Uh, and all these podcasts are framed to bring awareness to racial injustice, to uh, address the history of slavery in the United States. 
And one other thing that you have to remember, as we're talking about racial reconciliation, we are not talking about slavery in an effort to stay in the era of enslavement. We actually are talking about slavery, like speaking of racism, token confessions to to educate, bring in an awareness. And so we could understand how we live and how we are to respond to each other in our current time. So please be mindful of that. Um, Seeing on radio is one of the other podcasts that we've been listening to 1619. Well, we've listened to that. Um, It's becoming has picked up traction 1619. I actually saw an ad for 1619 during the Super Bowl. It's one of the ones that I've listened to several times. Uh, Pass the mic is another one following Harriet Uncivil. The Gilder Lehman Foundation Institute, particularly one of my favorite ones, is the podcast on Reconstruction um, by uh, guest Eric Foner. I just love how he uh, frames the whole conversation about recon- around Reconstruction. Another is Serial episode of season three is the one that we'd like to highlight and I'll we'll go back and just kind of talk a little bit about some of those in these in greater detail but because we have so many of them we just want to get through this list this land is another one of my favorite podcasts and this one is actually a little different in its focus on Native American land and their experiences and really just goes through the history but there is actually it's framed around a current issue that's in the Supreme Court, and we'll come back to that. Uh, Just Thinking and Reconstruction and its Legacies is another one that we have highlighted here. But these are just some of the ones that we are listening to. And you may be listening to others. Uh, Please do not hesitate to share some of the ones you're listening to in the comment section. We will listen to them and we will add them to our resource list after we've taken a listen and we'd like to add them so that we could also share with everyone else on a larger platform. But these are some of our favorite ones that we've been um, listening to. I do want to go back to highlight one of the ones that I'm really um, I'm passionate and I'm very passionate about. I'm passionate about the 1619 project because I do know that um, several friends have shared a counter uh, podcast that was created to counter the 1619 project. And I just want to share I am not in complete, I'm not completely against Mr. Woodson's 1776 initiative. But like we're do- what we're doing here at A Different Truth is to share the truth with you. And so we're not jumping from one um, time frame in the history of the United States to arrive at a kumbaya moment where we don't address the history and the legacy of slavery and lynching and Jim Crow. And for that, I will point you back to EJI as a resource. The history of slavery in the United States have been properly researched and documented by EJI. Um, the, I don't want to give too much attention, but the 1776 project was created to highlight 30% of the African-American population that's doing well. And what they do is, from what, how I understand it, they come in and the goal is to focus on um, the you know, the the nation that we are we're in and the prosperity of the nation and the goal of the founding fathers, what their vision for a bright and prosperous future would look like. But um, what what I understand it to be, so 
Woodson would go in and find the 30% of the population, African-American population in urban settings that are doing well. And what they do is because there is a history of 30% having the ability to rise up and by pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, he take the next leg to fund them and sponsor them and support them and be um, provide mentorship and, uh, you know, monies or scholarships to fund their programs. But there's a huge part of the population that are left out. That's 70%. And one of the things that I know as the founder of Carry to Full Term, we take care of a population in a, a, a marginalized population group. Those That's pre- women who are pregnant and homeless. And we pour into them for a two-year period, breaking cycles that lead to poverty. And so, you know, just like with the history there's a time period where we all have to acknowledge the, the the truth that led or that leads to cycles of brokenness, of poverty. And then once you've had that mentoring, once you've had that support, once you've had the help to understand what series of events have led to the cycle of brokenness, then yes, uh, the 1776 Project comes in and assist that 30% and takes them to stage three or four is what I refer to the 1776 project as. But organizations like Carry to Full Term and other organizations that are in the in the trenches doing the work of bridging the, you know, creating steps one and steps two to help the, the, the this population group understand the legacy of brokenness or to help the general population understand the legacy of enslavement, the brutality of slavery. And then step two and maybe step three and four would be to understand how has it impacted our uh, the way we live today? And step four would be how can we make changes rather than denounce that there was a history of brokenness and only to jump to what the forefathers intended is serve, is doing an injustice to the people who have suffered and who have lived and who endured through the brutality of slavery. It's robbing them from what we talked about earlier, you know, having a sense of identity, of counting, of shouldering the burden of African-Americans to where they have arrived today to become that 30% of individuals who are working towards creating a, a just society, a better society to understand, you know, what it is to experience uh, success at a level where each, you know, you can now reach back and now pull up more people from that 70% population group to ex- experience uh, success, but through knowledge and to having, through having a level of understanding of the history and using that to now experience a successful future. So I don't denounce the work of 1776, but the work that's being put out by the 1619 project is to be, um, highlighted because they're raising an awareness of a history that that's never been taught to this day in our in this real time the history of slavery the history of native peoples the history of people of color was never captured in a sequential manner or just that we're giving it to you now and captured in a manner um, that celebrates the legacy of the slaves that arrived here through the information that the 1619 project is presenting. And the 1776 project has its place, you know, to take individuals onto the next levels. But I don't think it's um, fair to say that we we want to denounce the work and the awareness that the 1619 project is raising, the awareness that it's raising. So right. there. 
I said that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's that's really important. And that um, the sixteen nineteen, there are a series of New York Times articles and um, several podcast episodes mm-hmm. as well. So um, with that, we will again post all of these. We'd hope you add to the list. Um, and now we have. Oh my gosh, a whole list of books um, that are really critical. Some of them we've talked about, um, but I would just want to run through these and maybe make a a comment or two about a few of them. So uh, first is Lies My Teacher Told Me. Um, I actually listened to that one. Uh, It's pretty hefty. It really, uh, the author James Lowen goes through several history books, history textbooks in America and kind of compares them, finds, you know, common um, viewpoints that are perpetuated and debunks many of them. Um, it's excellent. It's it's not a story, so to speak. <laughs> so uh, just prepare yourself yeah. um, because it's just chock full of facts and comparisons and um, it, it's really quite interesting to hear um, some of what, you know, deconstruction of some of what we've been taught and, and what that says about us and, you know, some of what we've mentioned before, you know, this heroification of um, our key figures in our in our past. Um, two books by uh, Ibram Kendi, mm-hmm. uh, Stamped from the Beginning, which I'm reading now, um, is his first book, it was also just re-released, I think, this week that we're recording this episode. Um, and um, I think, it, I, I'm not 100% sure, but it was re-released. I believe it has a focus um, and a bent towards helping uh, the younger generation understand um, his message in that book and, and what the history of African-American people um, is in this country. Um, he also wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist, which was an excellent book and really challenges um, and challenges us and provides, you know, some clear understanding of what it means to work against racism and not just to not be racist. Um, so it's really an action-oriented um, kind of perspective. Uh, We've mentioned Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison that describes her work there and really her calling to that work. Uh, We've also mentioned in our first episode The Dream King by Will Ford and Matt Lockett, which tells their really amazing story of how uh, they were brought together through their own personal histories and what they believe, um, you know, God is showing them about how to... Um, come together and what rec- reconciliation really looks like. And it's it's very much um, also a call to action. Um, the Color of Law is one that I really found fascinating and sort of goes through how different laws were constructed to um, keep people of color um, marginalized and prevent them from succeeding and really living the American dream um, starting at the end of World War II as soldiers were coming back and had these skills and um, laws around um, districting and living areas and mortgage practices and things like that that were really specifically designed to prevent their, you know, home ownership, access to jobs, um, and those things that, that 
the ramifications of which can still be felt today. Um, the Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. He's actually one of the co-hosts of Pass the Mic, um, one of the podcasts we mentioned. Um, the Blood of Emmett Till, that's a recent one, came out a couple of years ago, tells the story of Emmett Till, whose murder really helped kick off the civil rights movement, among other um, things that happened around the same time. And uh, that was actually written after his accuser, Emmett Till's accuser, confessed that he never actually did anything. Um, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together at the Cafeteria by Beverly Daniel Tatum. That's a fascinating look at um, black identity and how it develops in teenagers and, and how they see and perceive and translate things and and why they stick together, basically. Um, we mentioned Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. A book called And the Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. He is another client of Brian Stevenson's who was let out um, of death row after 30 years, I believe, of being falsely imprisoned. He's actually a character in the movie as well. Um, Let Justice Roll Down by John Perkins. He's an amazing man. Um, He does a lot of work in Mississippi. He's from Mississippi. He ended up going... Um, because it was so bad there, he left, took his family to California, had a very successful ministry there, and God really called him back to his own people in Mississippi. And, you know, he just tells uh, his story there and and also really challenges folks with some um, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, things to do. If you're really, truly going to try to build bridges and help um, in a way that isn't just for you, like you can't go into an inner city neighborhood and, you know, pass out food and then go back to your, you know, McMansion in the suburbs. Um, Like, are you going to go live with, are you going to sell your home and go live with the people you're trying to establish relationships with and, and really be a part of their lives? Uh, So his, his work is just amazing. Um. Oh my gosh, there's too many to go through. Uh, I'm just going to blast through some of these. The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. So you want to talk about race um, is another one. Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, the New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. That also takes a look at the 13th Amendment and um, you know really challenges us to look at our criminal justice system. White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Uh, the Fire Next Time by James Baldwin um, is another one. There was a sort of a sequel called The Fire This Time also that was written uh, more recently that follows up on some of his uh, theories and views. Um, I'm going to take a drink of water. You take it over from here. <laughs> okay. When Others Shuddered, Eight Women Who Refused to Give Up by Jamie Jonas. Um, I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin. Uh, Nikki just referenced his previous book, The Fire Next Time. The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter Godwin Woodson. Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing by Dr. Joy DeGry. The Willie Lynch Letter and the Making of the Slave by Willie Lynch. 1919, The Year of Racial Violence, How African Americans Fought Back by David Krugler. David F. Krugler, Waking Up White and Finding Myself in the Story of Race by Debbie Irving, 
Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. That one comes highly recommended. I have not read that yet, but I will be reading it. The Accidental Slave Owner, Revisiting a Myth of Race and Finding an American Family by Mark Auslander. So these are the list of books that we recommend uh, to, and we encourage each of you to start uh, reading through some of you, for some of them, maybe you for the first time, others, you may have read some of these. If you have books that you recommend that we would like to add to our resources, we ask that you recommend and make a mention of them in the comment section. We will read through them and do our own research. And then as we see fit, we'll add them to our resource list and then we'll share to the larger audience. But thank you for listening. Um, these are just a few of the resources that we use on a regular basis to bring the information to you. Uh, we are a different truth. And a lot of the information that we're presenting may be the first time, maybe your first time hearing about the, the history of uh, slavery in the United States, the legacy of brutality. Uh, some of these organizations that we've already shared with you, such as EJI and Be the Bridge, we invite you to Get become familiar with the work that they're doing, become familiar with the individuals who started the organization. And even if there are um, some of the resources that we've presented that you have other opinions about, please, we welcome them. We are not afraid to sit in the space of uncomfortable topics. We're not afraid to sit in the space of learning new things, maybe to look at it in the way that we didn't we haven't before so we welcome your feedback we welcome your input we welcome your suggestions even if you have uh, information on how you would like to hear the program delivered we would love to you for you to share that with us and again if you have suggestions you would like to make on topics you would like us to discuss please send us a note on our Facebook page we've added the messenger button so that's one of the ways that you could get in touch with us at, at quickly if you'd like to get with uh, in touch with us via uh, email our information is also on our Facebook page. You could email us at a different truth podcast at gmail.com. You could visit our website at a different truth podcast.com and you could find us on all our social media platforms at a different truth.com with the exception of Instagram where we are different truth podcast.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And if you have a suggestion, please don't hesitate to share. Thank you for listening to A Different Truth. We'll put the complete list of resources discussed in this episode on our website and Facebook page. Next, we have a two-part series in which we'll discuss white privilege. First, what is it really and who has it? Second, we'll look at some data to hopefully dispel the myth that white privilege is, well, a myth. Talk to you soon. This podcast was recorded at Double Door Studios in Gainesville, Virginia, hosted by Franny Robin and Nikki Bland. Produced and engineered by Kenny Bland. Original music by Ryan Robin. Original artwork by Ellie Bland. Thank you.